You're listening to Film School, the on-air online source for independent film, film that's changing the way we look at cinema and the world. I'm Nathan Callahan. I'm Mike Caspar. Today we'll be speaking with Niels Arden Oplev, the director of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, a mystery thriller based on Stieg Larsson's international best-selling novel. The Girl with a Golden Tattoo is the winner of the Gullbog Award. That would be Sweden's equivalent of the Oscar for Best Film, Best Actress, and they also won the Best Audience Award at the Gullbog, too. Mm. Uh, you can listen to this interview as well as interviews with Haskell Wexler, Harmony Kareem, John Sayles, Guy Madden, Philip Glass, Frederick Weissman, and many, 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 many more online at filmschoolradio.com. In his new feature film, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, our guest today, director Niels Arden Oplev, follows a disgraced lefty journalist and a dysfunctional computer hacker as they try to untangle a web of corrupt industrial legacies and dark family secrets. The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is the most successful Scandinavian film in history, winning the Audience Award, Best Actress, and Best Picture at Sweden's Gullbag Awards. Niels Arden Oplev, Welcome to film school. Thank you very much. Uh, how are you today? You're in the states, aren't you? Yes, I'm in. I'm on the east coast. What what brings you here? Well, I mean, uh, you could say that the success of the Girl with the Dragon Two uh, brought me here. Ah. So, have you been at screenings? Yeah, I've been to a variation of film festivals: the uh, Hampton Film Festival or Palm Springs Film Festival. Um, Oregon, Portland, Oregon Film Festival, and then Miami Film Festival. And uh, so far, we, we won uh, two audience awards. Uh, so that's uh, at Palm Springs and at uh, Portland, Oregon. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, excellent. I was just going to say, how did the, the audience respond? And it seems that they've uh, responded uh, overwhelmingly <laughs> enjoying the film. Yeah, that's that's for sure. I mean, the the, the response to the film is, is fantastic, enthusiastic, and completely uh, Completely positive. It seems like people have a, a really, really good experience with uh, seeing a film on a book that they love, which yeah. is exactly kind of rare. Uh, well, congratulations on that. And, and I know you took a lot of care to follow the book, too. I was uh, reading about just the, uh, you going back into rewriting the screenplay as it was, after it was first given to you. Can you talk a little bit about that, how it was presented to you and then the process? Well, the, the, the thing is that... Uh, I actually said no to this project the first time because I was in the middle of doing another film uh, 
which is called Worlds Apart, which is about Jehovah Witnesses uh, in Denmark. Yeah. And uh, and then the producers came and asked me, and I, I didn't know about the book and Steve Larson's writing, and I didn't have time, and I was kind of like, you know, what do I want to come to Sweden and make a thriller for? And that kind of, like, really bad attitude. Well, that's so, all right. Uh, and then they came back two or three months later, and... Uh, and asked me to reconsider, and they had moved their production time. And in the meantime, I had heard, I had heard some some positive stuff about the book. So I said to them, "Okay, let me you know let me read the damn book." <laughs> and I uh, and I uh, I read the book, and I thought it was fantastic. It was uh, nothing like what I expected. Uh, I really fell in love with Lisbeth Slander's character totally. Thought Blomquist was a cool classic character, and. And all the stuff about, uh, you know, the past, the clues, the footage of black and white and all that, the whole mystery thing I thought could be incredibly cinematic and be like a big Scandinavian film, like a, like a kind of like Silence of the Lambs out of Scandinavia. Yeah. And then the producers presented me with a script that they had, and... Uh, and they wanted like they had the script for 90 minutes, one and a half hour, and I was like, you know, this is a 560 page book, <laughs> and I read the script, and this script was, you know, qualified to be on the top 10 list of the worst script that I went that I read Uh-oh. in 20 years. Now, now, do they know that, or <laughs> are you <laughs> announcing that right now? <laughs> they sure, they sure knew after okay. I, they talked to me. Uh, I mean, after I had read it, I, I called them up and said that hell would freeze to ice before I, I yeah. filmed that script. <laughs> and then I said to them, uh, here's the deal. You know, uh, the script is in the garbage. The writer's off. I want my own writers in. You want a 90-minute version, you're going to get two and a half hour. <laughs> and uh, I want complete control over the casting, the script, the key functions, the look of the film, and I want final cut. And, you know, just uh, just see me as the artistic CEO. Uh-huh. And uh, I said, if you can live with that, then we can do a film. If you can't, then you are, you know, more than welcome to go on and find somebody else. And uh, but if you come to Copenhagen and negotiate, then those points are already done. That we're not going, we're not to speak no. about them. No. So that was a tough one for them. They never, I don't think they ever met something like that before <laughs> in their life. Now I, I've got to ask: Are are you all this way? Are you, are you, I'm always, are, are you do you always get what you want, or do you always put on the table what you want when you're when you're working on a film? Do you always pretty much come up front and say, "I don't like what you've done. Here's the way I want to do it," and uh, you know, take it or leave it. Well, in this case, I was because yeah. uh, because I mean, my four previous films has been dramas, and I've done them with producers that I worked with before. And, uh, and uh, you know, uh, these producers up from Sweden, I, I knew them for a long time, but I never worked with them. And I know they, they mainly do TV, and they do good TV, but it's just not, uh, you know, what I yeah. would like to see on a big screen. Mm-hmm. So I just thought, uh, you know, uh, this could be a, a rough ride. And if I'm going to go in and do something so popular, then, then I want every decision I make to be the best decision for the film and not, not all kind of stupid compromises. Yes. So in this case... I think that I was so tough in the negotiation. I'm not normally that tough. I'm I'm tough, but I'm not that tough. But I mean, because it's such a popular book. Because when I read that book and I started checking it out, I saw this this is gonna this book is gonna skyrocket. You know. Yeah. So if I'm if I'm gonna do a you know a, something is equivalent to do the Da Vinci Code um, in Scandinavia, I'm gonna do it right and not wrong. You yes. know. Uh, I'm, and. Uh, and that that is really a question about being able to take the right decisions and to hire the right people. 
Well, good, good for, work you. for you. I, I just want to ask before I, I switch over to Mike. You, you said you were you gave it to two of your uh, favorite riders. I'm going to uh, probably mangle their names, but uh, Nicolaj Arcel, Rasmus Heisterberg. What, can you talk yeah. a little bit about them and and uh, why you went? Well, they're to really them? they're really good uh, rider couple because and Nikolai Arcel is a director himself, and uh, he has done a really successful film called The King's Game in mm-hmm. Denmark. That was a thriller. He actually has some projects here in America too. He's he's a you know really good uh, writer director and uh, Rasmus is a really really good writer and they work together a lot and their speciality is thriller with a strong core of drama and mm-hmm. that's exactly what I wanted them to do because what I was fascinated about in Larson's book is really that that it's character driven mystery drama in in a thriller. It's it's not just a, a standard thriller. You know, it's really. It really is the characters have all destiny and and um, and fate you know they 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 there's a you know there's a destiny in them and i think that's really important yeah. for that that makes it closer to a character driven drama and that's that's what my specialty is yeah. the uh, the book uh, that this is based on um was is extremely important i mean extremely popular in uh, in sweden and throughout europe and did that is that why do you think it resonates so much with with audiences? What is it about the character and about the story? Do you think that you find and in your film as well that resonates yeah. with people so so strongly? I just say it's incredibly popular here in America too because I think that the first book has is it has sold around 1.7 million uh, copies in America. Now we were a little late to the game. Is that was that just a matter of re- when it was released here, or or did it take a little time for it to sort of catch on? Do you do you have? Any? I think that the book it took time before the book caught fire in the English uh, speaking countries. I'm I'm not exactly sure why. Mm-hmm. It kind of Scandinavia had exploded, then it went into France and and Spain and Netherlands and. And Italy and stuff, and and then it took a while before it started coming out in um, in UK. It had a slow start in UK and US, and then suddenly it kind of caught fire and and went on the New York Times bestseller. This is the only book of translated books books that are translated from another language into English that that went to the top of the bestseller list uh, in 30 years or something. Wow. It's, it's quite a but I mean, I think that um, I think that in U.S. it really took off when the paperback come in. This is this is a paperback book. This is some this is something you go down and then you grab on a paperback and you you're ready to pay that price because you heard about it. So I think that that has something to do with it. Is is there a is there a pulp fiction kind of sense uh, is, is that people it's a it's it's a easy it's a book that grabs you the the storyline grabs you and you really are transported by by the by what's happening in the story it's an easy read i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah yeah i mean it's not a pulp fiction in the sense of uh, tarantino's film pulp fiction no but, no but there are elements in the books actually as uh, even more in book two and and uh i would see particularly in book two there's there's some elements that are actually i think uh, leaning on that that genre that that tarantino developed but but I think the first book is um, is more uh, what I see as uh, at least as a film. I saw it as you know Silence of the Lambs, Zodiac Killer, La Femme Nikita, that kind of like big white screen uh, story. And what I really wanted to make was a film that had American entertainment value and yet still uh, edginess and archness from what you connect with Europe and Scandinavia. 
and and I always look for material that could combine that. And I, and uh, this this uh, this story really does. As far as the success of the books, I think that the fact that Larson wrote something that's a recognizable, uh, like really cool plot, recognizable for all creamy lovers, you know, it's a kind of Agatha Christie kind of plot, like a yeah. rich family up north. Uh, Freezing cold, uh, you know, really, really dark sequence in the closets, and then on an isolated uh, place like an island that was cut off from the rest of the world while the crime happened. In comes Blumquist as this, uh, you know, investigating classic uh, watchdog journalist character. You know, the, the the way we want journalists to be. You know, <laughs> and, yeah. and all of that is great. But what really takes it to another level, what, what really takes it about uh, what we will call good, good beats reading, is Lisbeth Salander. She's a totally unusual character. And that, I mean, the fact that he, that he infuses her into that other plot and makes it really underneath in the seams being about her and about women being abused by violent men, is, is, and which is his passion. I think that that was Steve's passion for writing. You could feel that that he really wants that out there. Mm-hmm. And I think that is why it's not a standard thriller. And Lisbeth is a fascinating character. I mean, my joke is that she's the most scary coming out of uh, Sweden since ABBA. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. We're speaking with Niels Arden Opluff. The uh, film is The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And and let's talk about uh, uh, Numi Rapace and her character, Lisbeth Salander. I, I'm just going... Through the reading uh, on that character, I found that uh, initially uh, the inspiration for her was, uh, at least in part, Pippi Longstocking. Uh, yeah. How did that f- function <laughs> with what you were doing? Did you ever consider that when you were directing or, or uh, writing the script? Well, I mean, uh, we, 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 of course, uh, we discussed in the writing room, uh, my two writers and I, of course, discussed this, this um, allegory that Larson did, because, uh, because Blomqvist is also an allegory to a famous uh, Astrid Lindgren character, and Astrid Lindgren is the most known children's writer in mm-hmm. Scandinavia, uh, and uh, at least in modern times, after Hans Christian Andersen, and her characters, everybody knows, so... So she had a she had a detective, a teenage detective called Kelle Blomqvist, and yeah. that is Blomqvist's nickname. So yeah. so so Larson kind of played into this because um, the Salander character is is uh, strong and and uh, have no fear, and uh, in the end she gets a pot of gold and all that. There are certain elements that he she doesn't have a father and her father's away. There are certain elements that he played into. But and I think that's very funny. But um, but I mean, what we wanted, we really wanted an ultra realistic, uh, credible uh, Lisbeth Salander. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm interested in her as as a as a, this broken child, this misused uh, girl that that the state committed enormous injust, injustice against, and uh, that she's you know been abused by these men, uh, abused by her legal guardians and raped and beaten up. And no matter what happens to her, she just keeps coming back for revenge. I mean, she's never, she refuses to be a victim. And I thought that was incredibly, also that she's such a closed character that mistrusts everybody. And she's a punker squatter kind of hacker, uh, you know, tomboy. So she's a fascinating character. And, uh, and a really interesting character to bring to life on screen. But I, I wanted her to be super realistic. I didn't want her to become 
like a, a, a Japanese manga cartoonish kind of heroine. I really wanted her to become a, a, a person. Yeah. yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of elements in her character, a lot of different characteristics, and uh, she's sort of. Is this the right word? Omnisexual in in her and omnisexual. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, and uh, and there's there's something very there's something very uh, sexual, but at the same time, it's really uh, guarded. Th- well, it's guarded, but it's also infused with 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 this violence. This thing, these things that have happened to her. There's something about her that uh, informs her character. Uh, in her sexuality with what has happened to her in terms of the violence that's been perpetrated on her. Uh, Yeah. Was that at all uh, difficult to direct? And especially in the violent scenes, uh, did you have, where did you go when you were directing that? Because there's scenes of what I'd call extreme violence, although they don't necessarily show all the violence, they're very effective. And even in the press, some people have said it's almost too effective. Can can you comment on that? Well, the thing is, the thing is that that I saw Lisbeth as a parallel to my first film that's called Portland. That was a really uh-huh. dark, rocky, violent tale of the, the northern part of, of Denmark, uh, which was in the in main competition in, in the Berlin Film Festival in in, uh, in 1996 and caused a scandal. I mean, it caused a BBC uh, critic that was an old guy nearly to get a heart attack under the screening because <laughs> he got so mad about the film and stuff like. So there, there was like people threatening me and calling me uh, insane in German and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> what, uh, what is that and, in and German, I, by the way? Is it? Well, it's like uh, <laughs> I can't even remember. <laughs> yeah, I, it's like uh, I can't remember the German okay. word. And I'm going uh, to draw you back too. He he literally almost had a heart attack. Yeah, I mean, he he uh, he was like uh, he couldn't breathe, and then ah. he used the rest of the film. He used the rest of the whole um, film festival to backtalk my film. So yeah. it was like very interesting. <laughs> but the thing is, the thing is that uh, that this this kind of violence. I mean, when I read the book, I knew that I would have to go back into that room and do that yeah. those scenes. And I also knew that I wanted to do them uh, very realistic because the thing is, Larson in his book has these reference of statistics to uh, how many women in Sweden has been exposed to violence and to rape and, and that kind of stuff. And I, I didn't want that statistics in the film because that would slow everything down but, and take the audience out of context. But I wanted the, uh, the, the political edge of the, of the violence against women in, in another way. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so I wanted to do these scenes, uh, especially the rape scene against Liz, but I wanted to do, to make it horrific instead of entertaining. Yeah. Because I thought if you make it entertaining, like uh, uh, like then then uh, then you have betrayed Larson's vision, and you have certainly betrayed all women because rape is a horrific thing, and yeah. I just wanted it, the damn thing to be horrific. The answer to that was that I figured out I'm going to do the preparation of the rape instead of the actually rape. Right. But what you see is this two minutes when, when this guy is tying her down and threatening her and pulling yeah. off her pants and all the stuff that goes on, the physical fight between them before he can get to rape her. And the, I think for the audience, that, that is really tough. But they also, they also uh, what do you call it, get a tremendous bond to Lisbeth in that scene. And when she takes her action later on, like when she rapes the other guy back, uh, the audience is all with her, yeah. and that's really interesting. When we when we screened that film first time in Copenhagen for the premiere, <laughs> eleven hundred people, and more than half of them were women. When when we come to that scene where she takes revenge, 
they they just went ballistic. They were like <laughs> bistling, applauding, screaming, and I, I was I was thinking, oh my God, we we unleashed hell. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, you tapped a bait, and I and I think that, that what I liked uh, about the the way that you've done this is that you've desexualized the rape itself. You exactly. Really, it, it, it's really exactly. it, it's really it's it's the violence that is yeah. really what the rape is is about, yeah. and uh, oftentimes uh, it, there's a purient portrayal of rape as something that is some in some manner speaking sexual but in fact this is really what it is the, as you as you as you did in the in the scene that it was leading up to the actual penetration that was really the rape it was the violence that was perpetrated on yeah. on Lisbeth yeah. and Selander that that really made this and such a powerful And I think that's incredibly film. that's incredibly important to have uh, because this is a film that Yet, in one way, is a very, very entertaining film, and it is. Yeah, Yet, at the same yeah, time, it yeah. really gives you something to talk about and to think about when you leave the, the theater, and, and, um, and I think that's important. Yeah. I mean, it's incredibly entertaining because it challenges your, your way of looking at things. Well, it, as you were describing uh, this reaction that you got at the screening in, in Sweden, it was, you said, was it in uh, wherever it was, Stockholm, wherever? Did, did, no, did, in did, Copenhagen. Copenhagen, I'm sorry. In Denmark. Denmark. Well, is there something? Well, that blew the premise of my question a little bit. But right. is there something about your, this film that is resonating within Swedish culture and society that uh, th- that this tapped into, and and is it bringing out this kind of discussion that you and I are having now about this uh, violence against women? There's this perception in the West that Sweden is this utopian. Uh, you know, sexual, sort of sexual uh, uh, society that has yeah. worked through all these issues. There's no problems in this regard. Is there something about yeah. this film and, and this discussion that really is tapping into Swedish uh, culture and society? I definitely think that this film, because this film is enormous uh, popular, of course the books are enormous popular throughout Scandinavia and, and particularly in, in Sweden, but has caused, an, uh, you know, has really caused subjects that, that, were, no, that were not things you would discuss at a dinner table to become a middle-class dinner table uh, discussion. I mean, that, that's for sure. I mean, this, whether Larsson's vision of Sweden is a truthful one or exaggerated one has, has been debated uh, furiously in Sweden. But I think that the, the fact that Sweden has a problem with violence against women, but, uh, as, as has most Western countries, by the way, America or Denmark, no. it doesn't make a damn difference. The world round. But Sweden, Sweden <laughs> is, is an illusionary, has an illusionary picture of themselves as being, the, you know, so egalitarian and uh, humanitarian and all of that. In a lot of ways they are, but they do have, have big, uh, you know, dark secrets in their own closet. And I really think Larson's mission in life was to bring that out, yeah. and he managed to do that. So... So absolutely, even the, even the question about their ties to Nazi Germany in the 30s and 40s is also something that they never had a cultural confrontation with. Uh, so I think that 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 is, I mean, that that is a point of discussion. Well, this, this must be very gratifying on that level for you. In addition to a terrific film, you've you've sparked a debate within within Swedish society. We're speaking. Well, I'm just very proud that you can make a really big, entertaining film, and yeah, then yet yeah. at the same time have a subject in there that concerns people in their daily life. And violence against women is is a huge topic. I mean. In U.S., it's one out of four women is in a 
rape or rape-like situation throughout their lifetime. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. So, so it it is a debate that that needs to be taken and needs to be worked on. And that, I mean, if you could do that through something that's also entertaining, I think that's fantastic. We're speaking with Niels Arden Opluff. The film is The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And before we get let you go, I, I do want to talk about the cinematography in this film because it was just a, a wonderful film to watch and, and just beautiful scenes. Even though you know the violence is going on, it was it was almost a film noir, noir effect during those scenes. It it just really expressed what the book was trying to say. Is there? Uh, a reason you chose Eric Kress for this is someone you had worked with a lot before and, and knew what he was capable of? I hadn't worked with him a lot uh, before, but I've, I've known, because Denmark is a very little uh, film community, so everybody mm-hmm. knows everybody. And, and uh, Chris and I went to film school together. He was, ah. uh, he was the, uh, what do you call it, the small ones when I was one of the older ones. Ah. And um, <laughs> uh, you know that, so I knew I had that grip on him. Uh, <laughs> That joking, but uh, but I knew that he had this quality of being able to 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 come in and do this big widescreen kind of film, and and even though we still still worked on a limited budget, he could make this him and this uh, production designer Neil Sire, who is a really really good production designer, who's educated as an architect and worked in New York for several years and came back to Denmark, and is impeccable in taste. And those two has been a team before. And I worked with a production designer before, so I knew that those two guys together, if I pulled them in and they were my close key functions, we could make something, you know, look really, uh, really extraordinary. Yes. When I when I present this film to U.S. producers, they they think the budget is fifty million dollars, you know. Yeah. And the truth the truth is very far from that. What, what was the budget? <laughs> well, it really has a big budget look to it. I've, I've got to have. What uh, is the budget on it? Seven million dollars. Oh my goodness. Oh. Wow. Well, and that includes a three-hour version. You're, uh, you're kidding uh, me. That, that's, I, I read. I read. Uh, congratulations. <laughs> I really appreciate that. I mean, that's 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 wonderful. I, I I'm always uh, appreciative of things done done on a smaller scale that look great and express what they need to express. It's it's a, that's you a, gotta, quite an accomplishment. You gotta understand. This is a this is a film with this budget has crossed its budget fifteen times in Europe alone without UK and Ireland. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's done a hundred million dollars in box office in Europe in two thousand wow. and nine, making I, it the best selling best selling film in Europe. Well, and I hear you're making a nine hour version in, uh, for a television for mm-hmm. Swedish television as well. So. That's yes. w- that's what's going to come out. Three hours per each book is is uh, is going to come out too. Yeah. All right. Well, it was great talking to you today. The film is The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Niels Arden Opluff. Thanks for being a part of Film School. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. All right. For more information about Film School, upcoming guests, and archived interviews, go to filmschoolradio.com.